Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today we're going to be telling you part one of the Watts family. So grab yourself some coffee and let's dive on in. In 2010, Chris Watts sent Shannon Rootscheck. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that exactly right, but Chris sent Shannon a Facebook friend request and she decided to accept it, not knowing who he was. They did eventually meet shortly after and they ended up falling in love and getting married on November 3rd, 2012, in North Carolina. In December of 2013, the two welcomed their firstborn daughter. Bella Marie Watts. And then in July of 2015, they welcomed their second daughter, Celeste Catherine Watts. And then around the time of our story in August of 2018, Shannon is 15 weeks pregnant with her first son, Nico Lee. The family lived in Frederick, Colorado, where Chris worked at Anadarko Petroleum and Shannon worked at home as a marketing rep. She went on some random business trips here and there, but pretty much did work from home. On August 10th of 2018, Shannon was leaving with her friend Nicole to go on a business trip, and they were going to be heading to Arizona. While they were there, Nicole reported that Shannon was really struggling with eating and drinking, and she seemed to be really stressed out about something. But the people that were with her on this business trip were really trying to make sure that she was eating and drinking as she was pregnant, and she needed to be nourishing her body for the sake of her baby. Nicole said that she wasn't really sure what was going on with Shannon, but Shannon did allude to some possible marital issues with Chris. There were some different disputes that had been going on and they were struggling in their marriage. Yeah, they definitely were having some issues, which Shannon had confided in some of her friends about these issues. Uh, there was a text message exchange on August 9th about Shannon's relationship with Chris, where she says that he had been saying they weren't compatible anymore and that he would refuse to hug her. And on August 9th, Shannon was messaging one of her friends, and here's how the conversation went. It started with Shannon saying, quote, He said we are not compatible anymore. He refused to hug me after he said he will try to work, in quotations, it out. Said he thought another baby would fix his feelings and said he refused couples counseling. And then the friend replies, what? That doesn't sound like Chris. Did he go to the appointment? And Shannon said, yes, but cold. And then says, I have no idea what happened. And her friend replies that Shannon should go through his phone and make sure there isn't, well, she says, quote, some other bitch I have to kill, end quote. But Shannon says this is totally out of left field and he's acting really strange. She goes on to say that she canceled her planned gender reveal party and that She's confused about how this happened over the past couple of months and that they were so intimate and she thought they were in love. And he had just said that he had a lot of time to think and that's why his feelings and energy had kind of shifted. As I mentioned in those messages, they were searching for couples counseling in the area. It sounds like they had made some appointments 
And they were starting to plan a getaway to Aspen for the weekend after she'd returned from her business trip. And that she had drafted this message that she was going to send to Chris when she got back to kind of express how she was feeling. And the message reads, quote, can you please tell me something? Because just like you, I'm in my head. I try to fix things and make them better. And this is making me crazy. I know that you need time. I want to give you what you're asking for and respect your space. I need some time. This place that I'm in, in my head, is not a good place. It's not healthy for me or Nico. I need you to help me help you. I need you to give just a little bit of what I did or didn't, so I'm not going crazy in my head to figure it out. I know I can't fix this by myself. We are going to have to work together, end quote. She also claims that she wasn't completely blameless in the relationship and saying that She knows sometimes she could be a little bit mean and that it makes him feel like he's not able to do things because she has some control issues. So what we have from this is an acknowledgement that Chris and Shannon were having some issues. They were expressing them to other people. At least Shannon was confiding in her friends about these issues. However, she was hopeful and really wanted to make this relationship work. On the morning of August 13th, Shannon returns home around 2 o'clock in the morning when her friend Nicole drops her off at her house. Nicole had told her that she would be back for her in the morning to take her to a doctor's appointment as Shannon had a checkup for her pregnancy. Around 9 a.m. on August 13th, Nicole shows up just like she said she would. And when she gets there, she's knocking on the door and Shannon is not answering. She's not answering the phone. She won't answer the door. So Shannon calls the police in order to have a welfare check done on the home and on Shannon as she is diabetic and they're getting a little concerned because she may have collapsed in the house and she might need assistance. So police show up and they're going around the house knocking on all the doors trying to get Shannon or one of the kids to answer the door because police are not obviously able to just enter the home without permission. So they're walking around, knocking on all the doors, all the windows. They obviously can't reach the upstairs. So the police have kind of drawn the conclusion that maybe something occurred upstairs and the girls just can't hear. So they're trying to call Shannon's phone. It's going to voicemail. Nobody's answering. And then at this point, the officer is like, well, let's call her husband, Chris. What a stressful situation it must be for her friend's her friend who's obviously probably still there and the police to like kind of know and feel like something's wrong and just not be able to go inside. Oh, absolutely. I imagine that to be extremely stressful. And, and Nicole does stay at the house throughout this. She's waiting there with the police, making the phone calls to Chris, trying to get a hold of him so that he'll come home. I'm not surprised. I mean, if it were you, I'd definitely be staying there. Like, yeah, I, I no way would I leave. There's a code box on the garage door to open the garage door, but Nicole does not know the code for that. The front door is locked because as a friend, I mean, you could potentially enter the home. Mm -hmm. The officer has more restrictions. The friend would enter. So, but she can't enter because she doesn't know the code. She's trying to find the code, but turns out that box doesn't even work. It's broken. The only way to open the garage door is with an actual garage door opener that is in Chris's truck. And they're not able to get a hold of Chris at this time. It takes a while to get a hold of Chris. When they get a hold of Chris, he says, I'm five minutes away. Like, I'll come home and I'll help you get inside. And this goes on for 45 minutes where the officer keeps calling Chris and he's like, I'll be there in five minutes. And 
the officer had asked one of the neighbors of the Watts family if they knew anything about where Shannon had gone, where the kids were, if they were in the house, anything. And they're like, I don't know, but I have a doorbell camera that catches the driveway so I can go and check that. So he is like standing there still and he hadn't gone to check it yet, but he's just like, this is stupid. Why is it taking us 45 minutes for Chris to get here? So he ends up leaving while they're waiting for Chris and he goes over to check his camera. Mm-hmm. I'm, and also, at this point, police have to be like, it's sketchy that he's saying he'll be here in five minutes. He's not here. It's 45 minutes. At, at some point, you're like, well, maybe we're not going to buy into whatever's happening. We need to like take some more progressive actions. Absolutely. If your wife and two children are potentially injured, your pregnant wife is potentially like passed out or something upstairs, potentially dying or they're missing, like, wouldn't you want to rush home? Yeah, where's your urgency? And even if you are potentially rushing, why would you say you're five minutes away if you're actually 45 minutes? Like, you would say, oh my gosh, I'm like an hour away. I will haul ass and get there as soon as I can. It might be like 45 minutes. Not, I'm five minutes away. I'm five minutes away. I'm only five minutes away. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Now, personally, if I'm running late to something and somebody's like, where are you at? I'll be like, my GPS says I'll be there at 5.15. Even if my GPS says I'm going to be there at 5.20 because I speed a little bit and a lot of times you can make it places a little bit sooner than your GPS says. So I always will change that. But I never change it more than like five minutes. You're never I don't like change it a whole 40. Yeah. <laughs> That's just insane. Like it'd be me heading to your house, Abby, and being like, I'll be there in 10 minutes as I walk out my front door. Yeah. Like, mm, perhaps not. So I'm going to play a little clip for you guys of Shannon talking about her relationship with Chris and kind of her family. She was known to document and film a lot of her life and a lot of the girl's life so there's lots of video footage out there of this family so i'm gonna play this for you hey everybody say hi say hi you don't want to say hi careful Susie. there's a table there daddy she is a hot mess uh You have to take a leap of faith in yourself. No matter what it is in life, like take that leap of faith and know that you can do whatever you want to do. I was in a really, really, really bad place and I got a friend friend request from Chris on Facebook and I was like, oh, what the heck, I'm never gonna meet him. Except one thing led to another and eight years later, we have two kids, we live in Colorado and he's the best thing that has ever happened to me. And because of my health challenges, because I got so sick, I let him in. And he only knew me at that time. He knew me at my worst. And he accepted me. And, you know, through um, 
your vows, like through sickness and everything. He's been there. He was the one that let me lay on him and fall asleep for three and a half hours on his lap while he had to pee. Um, he is the best thing that has ever, ever happened to me. So with that being said, know that no matter what, I, I can go on forever with this story, like, but I want to cut it short so I don't bore you guys. Know that no matter how hard life gets, no matter how low you feel, know that deep down, like in your heart, that there's a purpose, there's a reason for everything. We may not understand it at the time. She sounds very positive, like she's got this really good outlook on life right now. Absolutely. And she talks in it about how she has been struggling with this illness and stuff. So Shannon had been diagnosed with lupus, which had made it very hard for her to get pregnant and had made a lot of other things very difficult for her. And Chris kind of came in and helped her through some of the emotions of dealing with lupus. And so I think she just felt very grateful to have him in her life and to have a guy that seemed to really care about her and help her through her medical journey. So Chris finally arrives at the house and when he gets there, it's kind of interesting the way that he acts. So he pulls up in his truck and gets out of his car and walks around from the driver's side to the passenger side and kind of messes around at the passenger side door for a minute. It's not really sure if he's moving something around or if he's grabbing something out of there. But then he goes up to the house, stands there, shakes hands with the officer and kind of talks to the officer and Nicole and then finally opens the garage door, but doesn't give the police officer permission to enter the home. Not yet. So he goes in. When he opens the door, Shannon's vehicle is still there, which is concerning because her vehicle's still there. The car seats for the girls are still there. And Nicole is like, Shannon would not have left without the girl's car seat. So she has, like, at this point, Nicole's thinking something's wrong. She's inside. something bad has gone wrong. So once Chris enters the garage, the car's there, like I said, he opens the passenger side of her car door and messes around in there. Once again, unknown whether or not he's grabbing something out of the car, if he's putting something in there, or what he's doing. I think at this point, we can establish that he's being really sus. Very. He's not making sense. And I know that we've talked about it a hundred times where it's really hard to judge somebody's actions in a situation like this because how are they supposed to react But let me tell you, your wife, your pregnant wife is missing and your three and four-year-old daughters. And potentially, like, at this point, for all we know, she's upstairs dying. Yeah, when trauma happens, we have some strange reactions. But in this kind of scenario, you're at least, like, you haul ass, like, whip in the driveway, throw the doors open, and tell everyone to go in and look. Exactly. It's not... Time is of the essence if it's a medical problem. You know, if somebody called me and said, hey, you're, I'm not married, but your (laughs) husband, I guess, or your pregnant wife, something like that, and your two children are in the house, they're not answering the door, something might be wrong, they might be dead. I'd be like, cool, bust a window open. I'll be there in five minutes. So like I said, he's messed around the car. Well, now he's going in the house, still not giving permission to the officer or to Nicole he goes in he is in the house for one minute and 15 seconds before he comes to the front door and opens it to allow the officer into the home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
once again, he's adding to the suspicions. He's being really weird. And I think the officer knows that because a lot of the stuff for this case has been released. So the body cam of the officer from the time that he arrives to pretty much the time that he leaves has been released. And you can watch it. And I did watch it. And the questions that the officer's asking Chris is not something that you ask somebody unless you find them to be acting suspicious. Give us a couple examples. Well, Chris obviously is telling the police he has no idea where his family is. And so he's like, is there anything missing? He says that the girls' blankets are missing, but their shoes are not. And maybe there was like a bag or something that was missing with some with a couple things in it. And the officer's like, okay, so nothing that they would take for like a long trip. It's just like a short trip. But apparently none of their shoes are missing, which is strange because if you leave, what do you typically put on? I mean, I like to go everywhere barefoot. I don't know about you. <laughs> I guess to each their own. But from what they can find, there's no shoes. So they're all kind of asking questions. The officer asks like, okay, what about your garage door footage? And Chris just comes up with like a BS excuse. And he's like, it's motion censored. It must not have gone off. Like it must be broken or something. Hmm. Yeah. So that's my suspicion sound. <laughs> in case you guys were wondering. As you guys remember, I told you the neighbor went to his house to look at his footage. So we still have some hope that maybe some camera footage will be found. And we can figure out where she went. The officer also asks Chris, where do the girls go to school? Because this is a Monday morning and it's shortly after nine o'clock in the morning because 9 a.m. was when her doctor's appointment was and Nicole had, picked her, had arrived to pick her up a little before that. So nine, 10 o'clock in the morning we're looking at. And so the officer says, well, where do the girls go to school? And Chris responds with where they go to school. But he doesn't say anything about like, oh, that would be a good idea. Like, let's call the school and see if the school knows where the kids are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did my kids show up? Should I be nervous? Chris isn't. Why? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you think that he'd be curious to see whether or not the kids showed up and if Shannon just left or. You would think so. Then Nicole was like, well, there's that pool down the road. Like, maybe they're at the pool. And Chris is like, I guess I can go look. Which, he just sounds so unwilling to help. And I think it's obvious to the police officer. Because he's just, like, asking all these different scenarios to him. Like, could it be this? Could it be that? And Chris, every time, is just, like, shooting everything down. Like, it's probably not that. Well, Chris said, the, I guess I can go look. And the officer goes, well, do they typically go to the pool that's there? And Chris goes, not on a hot day like this. I kid you not. I watched the audio, or the video, with the audio. He says, not on a hot day like this. Follow up. Isn't that exactly when you go to the pool? <laughs> yes, exactly. You think that the day you'd go to the pool is probably a hot day. I think that could also make sense as to why, like, nothing's really missing. Is if they went to the pool for the day. And the weird thing is, is Nicole's like, Shannon would not have missed this doctor's appointment. Like, that's just very unlike her. So they're trying to find Shannon, obviously, and the officer asked Chris, like, where Shannon possibly could have gone without the car. And he's like, well, maybe somebody picked her up. Apparently that morning, Shannon was in bed when Chris left for work and had told Chris that they were going to be going to a friend's house that day, but didn't tell him which friend she was going to go to. And this is all according to Chris. Correct. At the time that they're supposed to be trying to find the family. Mm hmm. And the entire time that this is going on, where the officer's asking him questions, trying to figure out where Shannon possibly could have gone, 
And Chris is just repeatedly going, I don't know where she could have gone. And I don't know where, or I have no inclination to where my family is. And then is on his phone the entire time texting. Like, he couldn't even be bothered. Like, he barely looks up at the officer. He does walk around the house a little bit. The officers, he allows the officer to walk around the house. Chris goes into one of the rooms and comes out and has Shannon's cell phone. And apparently her cell phone was turned off, which is strange. Mm-hmm. So he brings that out. Nobody knows the passcode to the phone. So they Nicole's like, well, her passcode used to be this. And he's like, well, it's a six-digit passcode now. So it's kind of suspicious because she was just with Shannon that weekend. And in theory, you'd think that the passcode was that that weekend, if that's what Nicole still thought it was. Mm-hmm. You would think for so. To change overnight is kind of like, Unless. okay. I know. Then Chris comes out of another room with Shannon's wedding band on the end of his finger and is like, look what else I found. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So here's what we have. A couple scenarios. A, as Chris is kind of making it maybe possibly seem, Shannon took off with the kids with an unknown person who picks her up and the kids up and left her wedding band and cell phone for what, for a reason. Uh, Everyone's barefoot. Or, and Chris is acting weird maybe because he's in shock or something. Or Chris is being a little weird He's presenting these items because he's not really sure how else to present them and knows that they're going to get found anyway. So he's thinking, if I give them, it's better. The wedding band thing makes me think if Chris is doing something wrong, he's trying to make it seem like she took off with someone and left her wedding band. So the officer then asks, okay, well, where do the girls go to school? And Chris answers, says the name of the school, and that's it. He doesn't say... Oh, yeah, it's a Monday. I should call the school and see if my daughter's at school. Yeah, everything about him is just seeming like he is either like, I guess, maybe if we want to give him the benefit of the doubt in shock or hiding something, not telling the full story. Honestly, I know we've talked about it in the past where like you shouldn't judge the way that somebody's acting when something terrible like this happens. But watching his mannerisms in this, I can't help but judge him. Right. It's so awkward. And let's be honest, like, yeah, you can't completely judge what people are doing and how they're going to react. But there's a spectrum where it's like they're acting like, you know, a little weird, which is acceptable considering the circumstances. And then there's acting so bizarre and off that you have to question the circumstances of the situation they're in. Another thing that really bothers me in Chris's demeanor and like talking and everything during this time and I know people do it a lot but he says like every other word and in my head from what I'm seeing it doesn't look as if he's just saying like because that's a common word that he uses but he's saying like to figure out to give him a one extra split second to figure out where his sentence is going 
And it is very clear in many of his sentences that he is changing the direction of where his sentence is going from where he started it and where it's finishing, which is concerning. So the officer asks Chris, like, when did you last see Shannon? And he's like, this morning before I left for work. And the officer says, what time did you leave for work? He says around like 5.30, 5.15, I think is what he says. And the officer's like, okay. And Chris is like, that's the last time I saw her. She was in bed when I left. While they're upstairs, the officer like walks off to the side and like makes his radio call. But the way that he stands is like, so he turns his body so that his body cam is facing straight at Chris. And the entire time that they're up there talking to Chris, trying to figure out, you know, where his pregnant wife and two children are, no biggie, right? He won't put his phone down. All he's doing is texting or scrolling or looking through things. I don't know what he's doing. But so the officer turns, has the camera on him. Chris is on his phone. He radios something about how he he's going to need like backup or he's going to be a little longer. I can't exactly hear what he says, but the look on Chris's face when he says it is, I swear you watch him shit a brick immediately. His face is like, <gasps> and like, I don't know if his immediate thought, if we're going with the benefit of the doubt here, not knowing where the story ends. I don't know if his thir- first thought was like, did they f- like, did somebody radio him and say they found my family? Like, I don't know if that was his first thought. So he was like, <gasps> but regardless his face was hilarious to watch like he's squirming in his pants basically and it gets better they go over to the neighbor's house because now the neighbor has the footage and they're like come here mr officer i have some things for you to look at so they go over to the neighbor's house to watch the video footage and the neighbor pulls it up and it's like 5 17 in the morning i believe and you see chris's gray truck back up into the garage a little bit so the bed of his truck is in the garage and then you see chris walking around his truck, putting things in, taking things out for 45 minutes. And Chris is just like, when the officer says, like, what are you doing? He's like, actually, the officer didn't even ask what he was doing. The officer just was like, kind of watching the video. And Chris is like, oh, I'm just loading up all my stuff. I got to load up a water bottle and my lunch pail and laptops and tools. And like, just starts naming random shit and just won't like shut up and watch the video. So is he saying that he loads and unloads his tools every day? That's what he's saying in this situation. Okay. He's just basically talking the whole time about the tools that he's loading and unloading, as you do. And he keeps putting his hands up on his head and like fully turning his body away from the TV screen that is showing this footage. And he's looking at the front door. Almost like he's about to bolt. And you can like physically see beads of sweat on his forehead. And his sunglasses are like sitting on his head and they're perfectly fine. Well, then you see them just like slide down his face because there's so much sweat. And you're just like, hmm, why is he, why is he sweating so much? I love that that's just like a phrase you talk about when someone looks nervous, but he literally was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you can see the sunglasses clearly slide down because of the sweat. Like, sir, please be sweating it. Yeah. They watched the whole footage, which, like I said, was about 45 minutes of Chris loading his truck up, as one does every morning before work. And then I I don't know what he was like. It was on the TV. So somehow an ad came up, like, after it. Like, he shut off the footage, and then it just went to the TV screen. And it showed, like, a, a commercial. And the commercial had something to do with, like, an embryo. And as soon as Chris sees it, he's like, oh, yeah, sir, she's pregnant. 
Like, I'm so glad that the officer's been here for hours now, and we're now telling him that your wife's pregnant. I feel like Nicole also, I'm probably pretty sure told Nicole, him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she did. I just don't know why he, like, needed to see a photo of an embryo to remember, oh, yeah, my wife's pregnant. So once they watch the footage, Chris goes to leave, and the officer starts to leave, and then he's like, you go back over there, and he says, like, talk to, the, talk to him. So I'm assuming there's another officer at the house by this point. And he's like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to take a statement from the neighbor. So he leaves and the neighbor is like, he's not acting right at all. Yeah. Yeah, neighbor. You are right. He is not acting right. And it does mean something coming from someone who probably knows Chris better saying he's not acting right. Well, and that's what he said. He's like, he never talks that much. He never moves that much. He's like shifting all around and speaking a million miles a minute. And he's like, that's not Chris at all. Also, shout out to a good neighbor doing good deeds. You know I'm a sucker for a good neighbor. Absolutely. I I feel like this neighbor did a really great job. His name's not given in anywhere that I could find. They just call him neighbor. One point I see anonymous neighbor, so I'm assuming he didn't want his name out there. But I think it's it says something about how much he actually cares. And he does talk about, he's like, also, officer, I can hear Chris and Shannon screaming a lot at each other in their house. So do with that as you will kind of thing. So the officers stick around for a little bit, get some more information from Chris, get some information about Cece and Bella, and then they end up leaving pretty shortly after. So we can assume from this, the officers in the police department and law enforcement are a little concerned with Chris. They think something's up. But I will state that the next day, Chris speaks to a local news station discussing the disappearance and he makes a couple comments that i'm going to read to you guys one of which says quote i hope that she's somewhere safe right now with the kids if somebody has her and they're not safe i want them back now end quote he goes on to mention when he gets to the house after that he's called he walks in and there's nothing there she's not there kids weren't there and he thinks maybe she just took off He goes on to end this news broadcast saying that, quote, my kids are my life. Their smiles light up my life, end quote. And I would like to mention that it's widely talked about that during this news broadcast, Chris doesn't seem to really be that shooken up. Obviously, people react in ways in trauma differently, but it doesn't seem as he has been crying or stressed. And as we've mentioned, his reactions are a little odd they're a little off either way he is maintaining his innocence and saying he wants his family back stay tuned next week when we go into part two of the watts family story thanks for listening to this week's episode of crime over coffee you can find us on instagram at crime over coffee or on facebook at crime over coffee podcast where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.